Morning, everybody. We're going to go ahead and get started with our worship this morning. I'm having a little bit of a technical difficulty. I usually download my slides onto my phone so I kind of know where I'm going with things because, you know, I put them all together, but I don't always remember exactly where everything is. But that's not happening for me this morning, so it's going to be much of a surprise to me as it is to you. <laughs> all right, we're going to start out. Um, I'm going to read Psalm 19 if you, got a, if you want to follow along. I know it's really small up there on the slide. It's a little difficult to fit it in there. Psalm 19, the works and the word of God. The heavens tell of the glory of God, and their expanse declares the work of his hands. Day to day, pour, day, to day pours forth speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor are their words, their voice is not heard. Their lines gone out into all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has placed a tent for the sun, which is like a groom coming out of his chamber. <clears throat> it rejoices like a strong person to run his course. It is rising from one end of the heavens, and its circuit to the other end of them. And there is nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true, they are righteous altogether. They are more desirable than gold, yes, than much pure gold. Sweeter also than honey and dripping of the honeycomb. Moreover, your servant is warned by them. In keeping them, there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Acquit me of my hidden faults. Also keep your servant back from presumptuous sins. Let them not rule over me, then I will be innocent, 
and I will be blameless of great wrongdoing. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Let's pray as we begin. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for today. Thank you for your word, God, that we are so uh, blessed by you. We're blessed by the things that you have made for us. Father, we know that as we look around at nature, Father, and as we think about all the things that you have made, uh, Father, the uh, just the, the, the sky, Father, the sun, the moon, God, the trees that surround us, the changing of, um, of nature, Father, as, uh, as things uh, go from spring to summer and summer to fall and fall to winter, God, we know that you have set all those things in motion. Father, you uphold all those things uh, through your power, through your strength, uh, God, and through your love for us. We thank you that you show yourself to us every day in the things that you have made. Uh, Father, that we can look around at creation and know that you are real, know that you are true, and that you're there, and that you're taking care of us. Uh, God, I just pray that as we go through this time of worship, that we'll be restored. Uh, Father, we'll be renewed. Father, that if our hearts are, are struggling with anything, Father, we would find comfort and we would find refreshment in you. Uh, God, we would find refreshment in your word uh, as, we, um, as we dig into the things that you have for us. Uh, Father, I just pray that, um, I pray that our time would be encouraging to us. Father, it would be glorifying to you and that we could uplift each other. Uh, Father, I just thank you uh, for these people who are here. Father, I thank you for every heart that is here to worship. Uh, God, um, I just pray that you would bless us. Uh, Father, let your spirit wash over us. Father, help us to feel your presence among us. Uh, God, help us to always walk closer with you. Uh, Father, as we, uh, as we strive to understand you better, uh, Father, as we strive for a closer relationship with you, just pray that you would give us, uh, give us the heart to seek you every day, Father. Uh, just thank you for Jesus. Uh, Father, just pray that you would be with um, everyone who is going through something right now, Father, whether it's a physical ailment, Father, if they're in the hospital, I pray that you would be with them, uh, pray for anyone with upcoming surgeries, God, that you would bless them, uh, give them strength in their bodies, uh, Father, give them strength and hope and faith in you that you will do what is best, Father, that your will would be done in each and one of those situations. Uh, God, again, just thank you for Jesus, thank you for his life and for him giving his life for us so that we can be part of your family. In his name, amen. Light of the world, you step down into darkness. Open my eyes, let me see. Beauty that made this heart adore you. Say that you're 
message because I was reading this last night and I really liked kind of the, I want to say contrast, but just the different, uh, different way that it, different way that it says it. So Psalm 19, again, this is from the message. It says, God's glory is on tour in the skies. God craft on exhibit across the horizon. Madam Day holds classes every morning and Professor Knight lectures each evening. Their words aren't heard, their voices aren't recorded, but their silence fills the earth. Unspoken truth is spoken everywhere. God makes a huge dome for the sun, a super dome. The morning sun's a new husband leaping from his honeymoon bed. The day-breaking sun, an athlete racing to the tape. That's how God's word vaults across the sky from sunrise to sunset, melting ice, scorching deserts, warming hearts to faith. The revelation of God is whole and pulls our lives together. The signposts of God are clear and point out the right road. The life maps of God are right, showing the way to joy. The directions of God are plain and easy on the eyes. God's reputation is 24 karat gold with a lifetime guarantee. The decisions of God are accurate down to the nth degree. God's word is better than a diamond. Better than a diamond set between emeralds. You'll like it better than strawberries in spring. Better than a red, ripe strawberries. There's more. God's word warns us of danger and directs us to hidden treasure. Otherwise, how will we find our way? Or know when we play the fool? Clean the slate, God, so we can start the day fresh. Keep me from stupid sins. From from thinking I can take over your work. Then I can start this day sun-washed. Scrubbed clean of the grime of sin. These are the words in my mouth. These are what I chew on and pray. Accept them when I pray them on the, mon- on the morning altar. O God, my altar rock. God, my priest of my altar. Everyone needs compassion. 
Bye. Uh-huh. 
Scripture reading this morning is Mark 2, 13 through 17. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Aphius, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him, and Levi got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, Many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law, who were the Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, he, they asked his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On, her, on hearing this, Jesus said to them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. Over the last week, uh, our community has uh, suffered a tremendous loss of a 17-year-old young man that uh, you know, some of uh, teenagers here, fellow students with at Mentford, and uh, it's amazing the testimony of that young man in just 17 short years. I'm proud to have uh, known his mother as a student, his grandmother as a fellow teacher for many years, and. Uh, you know, as, I go, as we go to prayer, you know, keep that family uh, in your minds and, uh, and your prayers in the days coming. Lord, we come to you now thankful that uh, we live in this country where we can assemble freely and worship you and serve you. We thank you for your love for us such that you would give your only son for the remission of our sins that we have the promise of life everlasting with you. We pray now that uh, you will go through us with this service, with those that are serving, with Jamie as, as he delivers a message, and pray that you'll be with those that are <coughs> hurting emotionally and physically, and uh, that you could restore them. We pray that uh, you'll be especially with the Stiles family, with Tara and Vince and, and Chase and Tara's sister, Misty, and her husband and children in the coming days, as well as other members of the family. We thank you that, uh, that the community had that young man for the amount of time we did. Pray that you'll be with his fellow students over the coming days also and comfort them and give them strength and courage and the uh, strength to carry on in their lives and hopefully serve you likewise. Pray that you'll be with the youth here, with the youth leaders, and the upcoming events that are, are scheduled for them. We love you and thank you for saving us. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thank you. 
morning. <clears throat> so you'll notice as I start kind of getting a little farther into what I'm going to say, I'm going to have to look down. I got too many files in the middle uh, file drawer open this morning, and I can't keep my thoughts, so I had to write some up down. But um, I think one of the things that's, that's, uh, that's kind of always stood out to me um, and may bother some, some folks is I kind of sometimes get where I really need some air. And, and there's times when, when that happens, and um, if I'm going down the road in the car, I gotta have air blowing on me. I don't know why, I just feel like I can't, I don't know, it gets too stuffy. Same thing in meeting rooms, I gotta have some air moving because um, it gets too hot and I need to be able to kind of relax a little bit. But it probably doesn't, it probably stands out most for, uh, to me and, and if you've ever done this, you know exactly what I'm talking about in, in a hayloft putting square bales up. Um, depending on the loft, it, it impacts the severity of this, but when it's up that when you're up in the hayloft and you've got square bales coming to you, either somebody's throwing them to you or they're coming off the elevator and, and it's hotter than blue blazes up there anyway because there's, there's no air and it's full of dust. And depending on the guy that's down on the ground, he might just be bearing you in hay and you can't keep up with what he's coming, got coming at you. And it's, so you start trying to, instead of keeping your stack all nice and neat, then you start just trying to pull it back and get it out of the way if you're, there's not enough people to help. And one of the things that I always see of, and it doesn't really matter who you are when you're in that situation, you're gonna go up to the barn loft door at some point and say, I gotta have some air because I gotta be able to breathe. I gotta get away from this heat, this dust, and not able to move. And so what I, what I find is, is that that's one of the, the situations that we, we all feel um, just kind of day in, day out, week in, week out, is you need some kind of air. You need some space to be able to, to move and feel like it's, you know, it's going to get better, it's getting better. So I think that this is one of those moments where we get to have some, uh, get to have some air um, as, as Christians. And so, so here's what I want to share this morning is that there's a lot of times that when we're getting ready to partake of the Lord's Supper, I think that um, we get too uh, reflective on ourselves, um, what's been going on in the week and what I've got going on in my mind. Just like I said, I've got 57 file drawers open in my, in my mind and I can't get it to settle down onto to one thing, which is right now. So it forced me to have to write some things down. So we get, we get so reflective on, on ourselves that we kind of lose the point of what we're doing this morning. And so I think we try to spend this time um, many times trying to think about all the things that um, we need to get right, we need to fix um, for ourselves. And the sin, you know, we, we find ourselves trying to remember every little thing we've done through the week to say, man, I shouldn't have done that. I need to change this. I need to make this better. Um, this is how I'm falling short. Um, so we make, we make this more about us as opposed to Jesus who told us to remember him. So I think for most of us as we walk in, we already, we already understand where, we, where we're at personally. Um, we, know, we know the messes that we get into and the things we wish we weren't into. And we, um, we fail to realize that when we remember Jesus, that 
he took our place and uh, he took care of sin for us and for death for us. And what we need is um, we need that breath of fresh air and that comes through the grace that we have in Jesus. So when we consider what that means to us, um, what his death and resurrection means to us, I can't think of a better way of getting some, some fresh air than that to know that um, there is not condemnation for those that are in Jesus. Um, and we have nothing to fear as far as, uh, as far as death comes because all of that has been taken care of through the promises that are ours through him. So let's go to God in prayer and thanks for the bread and then we'll protect together. Father, we come to you right now and we are so thankful for Jesus and for what he means to each one of us, Father, that um, when there was nothing else, that w when there was nothing we could do to make things right with you, uh, Father, you, you had already made the plan to do so for us, Father, by offering Jesus in our place. And Father, we, we understand um, clearly that the word says that he was broken in our place, that he, he became the curse um, instead of us, that he took on sin and he took on death um, in our place, Father, and um, thanks is not the right, is not good enough words, but it's what, I've, what we've got um, to say. But Father, you, you know what our hearts um, feel and what they, um, how they stand uh, in front of that. And Father, we ask that you help us to be more thankful but Father, help us to uh, help us to uh, to enjoy the freedom that is ours through Jesus, Father, and that we have been set free. Father, I ask that you help us to um, keep those things in mind. Help us to remember that this is about Jesus um, and what He did for us, Father. Um, help us keep that in front of us each day. We thank you for this bread that represents His broken body. In His name, we pray. Amen. Let's continue our thanks, please. Father, we come to you again um, thankful for this fruit of the vine that represents Jesus' shed blood. 
And Father, we know that, um, that we have life because of that blood, Father, and that it washes us uh, clean, Father, um, in your sight. Father, we are, um, we are so thankful that, um, that you sent Jesus to be uh, our Passover lamb, Father, that, um, Father, that his sacrifice was all that we need. It was complete um, in dealing with our problem with sin. And, Father, that um, as a result of, of him that we can, be, we can be in your presence, Father, we can come to you at any point, Father, um, and, again, that we, we have life uh, through him in you. Father, I ask that you help us to gain better confidence um, around that better understanding, Father, that um, exactly what it means, Father, that uh, to be clean in your sight because of Jesus. And, Father, help us to, um, to be able to live in a way that shows that. Uh, Father, a way that honors Jesus and that honors you, Father, and that, that impacts um, the folks around us that, uh, Father, they can see what a difference um, that you and, and Jesus make in our lives. Father, I ask you to help us to um, um, just to, to gain in our thankfulness for that. And uh, at this time, we as we partake of this fruit of the vine that uh, represents Christ's blood, Father, help us to, uh, to remember him and that we are washed clean because of it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
that passage last night um, from Psalms, um, and I read it from the message. There was that part in um, verse 10 that I guess was just really kind of impactful to me because it made me think of something that happens every year when we plant our garden. You know, we plant a little garden in our backyard, and um, one of the things that we always have is just like a tiny little strawberry patch, you know, like enough strawberries that you can go out and pick some. It's nothing major. It wasn't like, you know, level of like Josh and Christian when they went crazy with strawberries. But, <laughs> but you know, it's enough that we can go out and pick them, and, and it's just kind of fun. But there's one thing that we always love the, the most, and that's the very first strawberry, like especially Micah. Um, Micah will go out and check the garden every single day, that's the thing that she wants to do is go out and see, is the strawberry ripe yet? The first strawberry, is it ripe yet? Because you got to get out there before the birds see it because they'll snag it before you get the first one. And then, you know, then you're just mad at the birds. But this verse says, God's word is better than a diamond. <clears throat> better than a diamond set between emeralds. You'll like it better than strawberries in spring. Better than a red ripe, better than red ripe strawberries, and I just think about that. You know, if, if that's how we approach God's word, that this was so exciting for us, that that's the thing that we looked forward to. You know, just like Micah running out to the garden, is it ready yet? Is it time yet? Can we pick it? No, just one little bit longer, a little bit longer. But no, we. I mean, we want to feel that kind of an excitement. That's what we're called for. You know, God's word is beautiful, like a diamond. You know, we, you, you uh, see someone with an engagement ring or something like that, and everyone wants to see the engagement ring. Everyone wants to see, oh, that's so beautiful. And that's where, you know, that's where our, our feelings should be about God's word. It's beautiful. It's something that should be adored. It's something that should be admired and something that we should be so excited about, like that first strawberry. Let's all stand. Uh, we'll sing Days of Elijah, and then we'll have our time of, a uh, little time of fellowship here, and then... We'll move on with our service. These are the days of Elijah, declaring the word of the Lord. And these are the days of your servant, Moses' righteousness being restored. And though these are days of great trials, of
got together when it says we shall assemble. Um, <laughs> actually worked out really well. All right, we're going to sing this song before Jamie's lesson, and if there are kids that haven't gone to Bible time, now's your chance. Mighty is our God, mighty is our King, mighty is our Lord, He's ruler of everything. Glory to our God, glory to our King, glory to our sunshine and every one of you that make up this place it's good to see you all this morning and I hope uh, that is making you hungry though it doesn't look all that appetizing once you see it from here you know but it's good to be with you all this morning I'm thankful to be here Um, let's pray together and then we'll keep moving with this service God is so good to be here today in your presence it's good to be here in the presence of family friends and loved ones God people that we wow this is some good, great children of yours, God. Not we're not great in ourselves, but that you're doing something good in us. And it's good to be assembled together today. Thank you for the hearts, the love, the community, the unity, the bringing together of us. And I pray, God, today that you would speak to the hearts of all of us, that you would move in the hearts of all of us, that you would do something that we wouldn't be the same when we leave as when we got here Help us to sense movement, to sense a stirring, something that makes us different, that makes us want you more, that helps us see the world and understand it a little bit better and your will and want for us in it. You're good, God, and we're so thankful. And the reason we want those things is because we want to be more like you because we know that's where life is and draw us nearer to you today in that. And I pray you just smooth move me out of the way, God, and do your work. We love you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. So over the last uh, few weeks, we've been working through the wonder of community, right? We started that off in the, at the first of this year, the first of this month. In the series so far, we talked about the wonder of God, how awesome He is, the, the unity with Him, that we, the call for us to be united with Him, then the call for us to be united with one another, but it would start with me. I'm the one who's going to do that. It's got to start here. And for you, it would be the same. It starts with you. 
And then last week, we talked a lot about hospitality. And this week, there's just a simple move from hospitality to what's going on now is just uh, the, the, the idea of table fellowship, the eating together. Um, I, I got some notes. In my notes, I got this, a couple of lines that I really um, want to sink in and I want to be kind of careful with. What they say is, welcome to the resistance. Just that you're here today and you hear a sermon like this means you are different. It means you are hearing and wanting to do something different than what's going on in society today. There is a, there is a move toward, and always has been since this place was created, against and away from God. And those who meet every week and say, it can't be like that. There's more to it than that. I want to do something different than that. So I would say, welcome to the resistance, you subverters of culture. You true rebels, the ones who truly live a different life. Now, you've got to be careful saying those kinds of things because you will get an interview with Homeland Security or CIA. If you want to know more about that, have lunch. Take me to lunch. I'll tell you a couple of stories. Or let me take you to lunch if you want to hear more. But today, let's, that's true, okay? But, you know, we'll just go on from there. Today, let's eat. Um, that's the, the theme of today. And some of my favorite eating stories, oh, wow. I'm just going to pause a minute because i got to slow down and we've got we to say this correctly. I want you to think for a moment. Just let your minds wander for just a moment. Not about this and about this, but about you and us, your family and your friends. The times that you have had a meal and you just wish it wouldn't end. The times when you're like, if I could just go back to that table if they could just be present in that moment, if we could just do that again, if we could recreate that. Just let yourself think for a moment about it, okay? Some of my favorite eating stories. I love eating with Kristen and Kendall at home. I love eating with them on the beach. I don't care what it is. Cold chicken from wherever that we picked up. Uh, Panera just before you smooth pull out onto uh, Indian Rocks Beach. If we're eating on the deck by the pool in a thatched roof hut in Belize or, or somewhere like that. If they're there, if we just pull into a McDonald's on the way to Florida or, I don't know, Mellow Mushroom in Rock Hill, right? I mean, you guys have driven those routes. You've done those things. I love being with them. I love eating with them. I love spending time with them. But I knew I was at a different level when I was invited to her parents' house to eat with Don and Pam. And even more with when I was invited to Alma's house, her grandma. Now I was, you know, I was really, and, 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 and those moments were so cherished, you know, just to hang out with and pass the rolls, pass the butter. Pass the salt. Don't say salt. They'll think you don't like the food. You know, all those kinds of things. It's really fun. I love, like I mentioned, traveling with Kristen and Kendall. You know, Kristen's not in here, and Kendall, you don't tell me for this. One time we were in Florida. We pulled in, you know, we're driving into uh, Tampa. And we're saying, what do we want to do while we're just kind of running through the thing? And Kristen said, I would love to go to Tropicana Field. I think that'd be really cool. And I said, yeah, I would too. And she's like, well, where do you think it is? I said, we can figure it out. And I said, we can go there as many times as you want even. She said, really? I said, yeah, but we'll have to work on the schedule. And said, what are you talking about? I said, that's where the Tampa Bay Devil Rays play. You know, she thought it was a fruit stand or a fruit field or something like that. And it makes sense, you know. And I don't tell her I said that, okay, but 
I remember fellowship meals here when I first came to Sunshine. And, and one particular, um, I was going to throw my, my plate away when I was finished. And uh, Dale Gamp was sitting in a row of seats back in the old annex before it was what it is, you know. And he was sitting along the, the women's restroom wall. And some of you who've been here for a few years would remember that. You know, you walked, they had that, well, it had a row of chairs there and it went back into the kitchen. And Dale was sitting there at the, at the, uh, on one of those chairs and threw my plate away and started to walk back by. And he said, sit down here, Riley. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> I didn't know Dale at all. I was really new. And he sat down. We, I sat down, and we began to talk about life and stuff and who I was. Where He knew a, a bit about me because I knew Lisa and Sean of them, but, but asking some questions and things. And then, and then when it's finished, he said, well, I'm going to have to go now, but I think you're going to be all right here. <laughs> that was a... That was a good moment for me. I thought, I think I'm going to be all right here. Um, and we talk about that on occasion, and we share that a little bit. I, um, I remember in Honduras, we have a, we have a, we've had a bus driver for years. His name's Rafa. <clears throat> Became a dear friend of ours, like 2012. We'd, we'd do stuff together. We'd drive. He'd help build. We would play soccer. He, we'd go to Picacho and climb the, you know, the towers there, the things that are climbable, and just laugh and goof off. And um, sometimes he'd bring his kids on the bus, sometimes he'd bring his wife on the bus, you know. It was a, it was a precious thing for Rafa to, to be able to bring his family, and it was a big deal that, that we would allow him to bring. It was both ways. It just didn't happen. It was different. It wasn't protocol. And we would get food, and we would sit and eat street chicken, or we'd stop at, you know, a restaurant, and he had to stay in the bus because of the rules of the community there, and we'd run food out to Rafa. We'd eat, we'd do whatever, and hang out, and spend time, peanut butter and jelly for lunch, and laugh, and goof off. And we thought we were really tight. And then um, he sends me a message one year before we go to Honduras, and he says, um, Jamie, um, how about... Um, when you come to Honduras, one day you bring the group to my house. I'm like, wait, what? He says, bring the group to my house and we will have supper at my house with my family. Um, mi casa, tu casa. My house is your house. My home is your home. And I was like, wait, what? And I messaged Amber and she's like, you're kidding me. I'm like, no. And he really says, she's like, you've got to go, man. You guys got to go. And we did. And it became a tradition, you know, we go to Rafa's house and Annie and kids and Matthew and Jared and we have a meal and he shows us around his neighborhood and man, it's just cool. Because eating together is the one thing that forces you to drop your guard. You have to be safe to eat together, but everyone has to eat together. It levels the playing field. It is a process that has to happen. It is important to life to sustain your life. And so in eating together, everybody has to drop their guard and say, I feel comfortable enough with you to eat. I feel comfortable enough with you to invite you to eat. And it's a really big deal. I remember when Yadiel, um, the, the, he's the music teacher at um, Baxter, is like, Jamie, you come up to my house and have, to my apartment and have flan. Melinda will make it and we will have a blast. And I'm like, I don't think I like flan, but I like you. And I don't ever feel that well after I eat it. But <laughs> it's a really great time. Right, Zach? I mean, it's fun. We laugh. We tell stories. In Honduras, they have meat on really big platters. They don't do it like we do it here. The individual plate where it's really small and I protect my bounty, you know. 
I said these really big platters, and they come out, and everyone just starts grabbing meat. If you go to a restaurant or some place like that, you just rake it into your plate, and someone might rake it off your plate onto their plate. I like that better. You, you take this. And, I like, and it's just a massive horde. It's like eating with my dad or Sean McRae. You know, it's like if you're eating with Sean, man, you're going to get some of his food stuffed in your mouth. They'll probably just cut some right off your plate, and I want some of that, and he's going to eat it. I mean, it's just all, I mean, there's no holds barred. It's all in. Or like eating with Zane Miller. If Zane Miller has food, I've got to taste it, and if I've got food, Zane's got to have it. I mean, it's just how it is. I would shove a burger in my face if he thinks I need to taste it. And that's, that, that sounds so um, right, doesn't it? Have we, have we lost, have we, have we gained a taste for food and lost the taste of fellowship? I like my food like this. I want my food here. I want my food here. I want to, I want to enjoy my food, my place, my space, my plate. And lost the you and me. Come eat off my plate if you need to. Here's my fork. I, believe me, I know guys eating off my fork. Thankful they have their shots. Eating's a big deal, and it was a big deal to Jesus. It was huge to Jesus. You know, Jesus at one time invited, like, like they didn't invite. He was followed by thousands of people, 5,000 men, not counting women and children. When they got hungry, he just grabbed a kid's lunch and said, everybody eat, sit down with me. And he sat down and had a meal. He made himself safe and vulnerable and became the greatest of hosts in that moment. When Simon's mother-in-law had a fever, he healed the fever it leaves her, she makes food, and he sat down and ate. Zacchaeus, come down from there. I'm going to your house today. Why? To eat with you and to change your world, Zacchaeus. Well, how? I'm going to sit with you. And we're going to work on worldviews and understandings and connectivity in a world where we are so separate. I need, I need to say something just for a moment. You need to hear me. It's going to sound like phone bashing, social media bashing, internet bashing. I, honest to goodness, it's not. I learned so much, and I understand so much from those places. We all do. But there is a thing going on in advertising and social medias and telephones and things like that. One, the addictive properties, the, the dopamine that you just have to have, you know, it, it, it just feeds you that constant fix, a constant fix. You never get to be bored. You never have to just enjoy anybody you can't tolerate. This is boring. Where's my phone? I'm insecure. Where's my phone? I don't like being here. Where's my phone? I don't like you. Where's my phone? I feel awkward. Where's my phone? This is something I didn't want to do. Where's my phone? Always, where's my phone? Where's my phone? Where's my phone? The reality is... Um, Social media is not the real problem, and neither is the internet. The, re the real issue, I used to think that the real issue, maybe you guys are way ahead of me on this. I used to think the real issue was that, man, advertisers, they just want to sell you everything, and social media just wants you to just be on there and, and, and just feed you junk, junk, junk. They don't. They don't care what you watch. What they want is your undivided attention. They want your complete attention, always, so you don't know how to do anything but give them your attention. There's not a them out there. Don't get me wrong. There's no them out there. Somewhere I'm sure there's a them. But the end result is not a them. It's a him. And it's Satan. And he's a beast. And he'll find any way to separate your attention from God and from those he loves and from those who love you. And you will think, wow, 
Everybody's a big jerk. And why does Jamie keep talking about social media when he's got it himself? That's not the thing. Hear me well. We are, most of us are connected on social media. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the fix, the buzz, the rush. The I can't live without my phone. Where's your phone right now? I guarantee you everybody knows exactly where it is. And if you're like, crap, I don't have it. Sorry for saying crap, by the way. You'll be out in your car trying to find it right now. Where's my phone? I don't know how to get through church without my phone. I've got to feel my phone. You never know where my phone is. The deal is that Satan wants your full attention. And when we don't take the time to spend, and that's what Jesus did so well. He went to a wedding at Cana. He fed everyone, or he flipped the jars of wine into, or water into wine, and he hung out and he ate at a feast. He enjoyed everybody present there. And here's, here's maybe one of my favorite instances with, with Jesus. Moving on along. In Mark chapter 2, verse 13 and following through 17, once again Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. And as he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him, and Levi got up and followed him. There's a big deal in this story right here. In just the story so far, we, we've mentioned before that tax collectors are anti, they're not anti-Rome, but they're pro-Rome. They're, they're, they're supporting Rome, they're supporting their own pockets by collecting taxes from their own people. And so, so Jesus is walking by the lake. A large crowd came to him, again to teach them. And he's walking along this large crowd of Jews, people who want to hear Jesus. You bump into this Levi at his tax collector's booth. And if you understand what would have to be going on, Levi, the tax collector, we talked about this in our class last Sunday night. Levi, this tax collector, would be definitely an outsider, a hated, despised person. I mean, you can imagine what happens. Just read the you know, comments on any really interesting article on the Internet and just watch the constant barrage of you know, the negative and the hate and the weird. and the, People can be really hateful. And Matthew, or Levi, was... Definitely an outcast. So mocking, making fun of, maybe he's been beaten up a time or two, but definitely he is hated. And he's at this booth, and these large crowds are with Jesus. And Jesus walks up, and I don't know what Levi thinks he's going to hear from Jesus, but I'm sure thinking Jesus was the one who was going to lead Israel, the Jews, into freedom, I'm sure Levi was thinking something like, oh, no, and now him, the great king of them all. The king of the Jews. I'm the one that's exacting taxes from them. And Jesus just walks up and says, follow me. And the story gets better. And while Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. Jesus was eating with tax collectors and sinners at Levi's house, meaning the story may have gone something like this. Hey, Levi, come follow me. We're going to your house, and I'm going to throw a party. <laughs> hey, Levi, come with me. I'm bringing my friends to your house, and we're going to have a party. And when I'm thinking of this story, I'm like, well, Jesus called all Levi's friends together and had a party. And then Kendall said, Dad, I think they probably were Jesus's friends. <laughs> and I'm like, that's, yeah, I mean, that's who Jesus hung out with. He didn't have a great reputation. He had an awesome reputation with God. But he hung around people that didn't say the right stuff. He hung around people that didn't do the right stuff. 
He lived, hung around a lot of people that didn't live the right way in the eyes of religion. But he was going to Levi's house, and at his house, he's eating with them and his disciples, for there are many of them who followed him. It's, it's, it's worth just pondering how many tax collectors and sinners are you comfortable with following you around today? When the teachers of the law who were Pharisees saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with the tax collectors and sinners? And he said, because it's the, the sinners that need a doctor. The sick need to get well. It's not the healthy that I came for. That's not how we do this. It's not the point of it. And then he tells us to live it out just like him. You look all over, you know, New Testament stuff, especially the Gospels, eh, even more than that. But you see Jesus saying, you know, um, as often he's done to the least of these. Hey, when you're having a banquet, don't invite your friends. Everybody does that. Everybody invites a pal, a friend. We're too insecure to eat with people who aren't connected to us and that we're safe eating with. Invite someone else. Invite a stranger. Invite the outcast. Invite the hurting, the poor. And let it be gospel. See, the power of this table fellowship, if you will, is it is a time of Jesus promoting gospel. N.T. Wright says, when Jesus himself wanted to explain to his disciples what his forthcoming death was about. When Jesus himself wanted to explain to his disciples what his forthcoming death was all about, he didn't give them a theory or theology or doctrine. He gave them a meal. He didn't start yapping about the dispensation or the theory of or anything else. He said, come here and sit down and let's eat. I think you're going to be all right here, Riley. I think we'll be okay. And he talked and he taught and he loved. Uh, so we would ask a question then, I mean, while we're watching Jesus do it, but why do it? Why, what is it about? Why do the table fellowship? And we would go back to what we just started, the, the gospel of table fellowship. Around the, around the table or on a bench or even in your car or a church land loaded with people while you're eating, you promote the, the gospel of inclusion, the good news of Jesus. He came to connect you with others. A reminder is what it is that everyone is created equal. I was reading a really neat article, How Eating with Others Nourishes Us in More Ways Than One by Mary Beth Albright in the New York Post or in the Washington Post. She said, when we eat alone, there are no external expectations. But when we eat alone, we lose the connection to others that can enrich our lives and that can feel that, let me start over. When we eat alone, there are no external expectations. We understand that. When you're eating with others, there's some pressure to entertain, to converse, to make things you know, healthy. But when we eat alone, we lose the connection to others that can enrich our lives and th that can feel so deeply depleted by expectations. We eat alone, we don't have these pressure and stuff of eating with others, but we miss, we miss the enrichment of our lives that's so stolen by external expectations. She said how, she goes on to say um, that the entertaining of others, the hosp hospitality or table fellowship became mixed up with showing perfection 
and impressing others rather than the relief of just being your authentic self with friends. So that's the point. I can be me with you. But I've got to get the house clean, and this is such a revealing of me. And we'll see the gospel of fellowship, the good news of fellowship of Jesus is that you don't have to be perfect. That's the whole point. You're not. And when we spend time together like that, we all realize it so much deeper. There is nothing more human than sitting down at a table and eating while others, with others while discussing how we feel about the society we've created. Nothing more human. It's so human just to sit and eat and say, what's up? See the news? Hey, did you see how the Reds did this week? Who do you think is going to win the Super Bowl? Hey, did you hear what Amber's doing in Honduras? And, and we grow and we're moved deeper in Jesus together. And so then the thing we would say is it's time to eat, right? How do you feel? It would be cool to just interview all of us and say, how do you feel about sitting down and eating dinner together? How do you feel about our fellowship meals over here? How do you feel about hanging out? We're going to have opportunity here. Tomorrow night we're going to be roller skating, and they got pizza, man, and we got some pizza fellowship. And then a couple weeks we have a Super Bowl party after church, and you know what? We can hang out again, but we hang out right here too, and when we break bread, there's fellowship together. But it's time to eat. My note says how to get better at communal table fellowship. That would mean you and me, we, hanging out and eating together. Mary Ann Albright also said that food is a window into our priorities. A commitment to eating with others more often means rearranging our priorities. Eating together at lunch instead of working more or taking a break to snack with someone rather than grabbing something in the car, it's about making it a priority to come home early for dinner. In, uh, after our house builds in Honduras, one of the things that we have begun doing uh, is just a big board decision to try to spend uh, more personal time with the families we're building houses for. And I'll be honest with you, I wasn't keen on it as we discussed it. I kept thinking, I think we could build another house with those times that we were eating. <laughs> that's weird. Because that's a dude thing to say, and that's kind of what they said. You know, yeah, Jamie, that's a real guy thing to say. I'm like, well, I didn't mean to be a guy. Um, so what's it look like? Well, what we would do is we would build a house. And then if we, if we have another house in the neighborhood, then we'll build a house one day, build another house the next day. Then that afternoon, we'll just all sit down at one of the houses, make a meal, and then eat. And if you want to be humbled, and we all need a bit of that, um, come to Honduras and eat at one of their houses. It's the most convicting thing for me. I remember the first time we had the opportunity to eat with someone in Honduras at their home. I was, it was the very first year of our family trip, 2013, and we were in this mountain somewhere. I don't know where we were. The only thing you saw moving as transportation that whole day in that community was a horse, where a man was leading a horse and he had a bunch of wood on it. The only, only transportation I remember seeing that day. They had a community toilet. It was a little bitty house about the size of the closet there under the steps and had a little hole in the ground. And that's where they went, day or night. That's how it worked. And in the middle of that, um, you know, there weren't a lot of us there that year, maybe 20, 22, I don't remember. And um, Dewey Cordell and I were on the back finishing a wall, and this lady brings over these 
quesadillas to eat. And I, I remember shaking, thinking about David, you know, when his mighty men busted through the lines to get him a drink from the well in Jerusalem just because he wished it. And I remember thinking, I, how, do I, how do I eat this? I mean, it's so honorable to God that they would, I mean, so that we would be here in this moment. Then I, first of all, you know, poverty is a big deal. And making food for yourself sometimes is a big deal there. But for others, it's huge. So we do this fellowship together. We, we, we build a house, and then we all just gather around, and some go up to one of the houses and, and just uh, start making food, quesadillas. Um, I, don't, I don't remember what that, but they're not called quesadillas. That's what they look like. That's what you would call them. And um, start chopping up the, the, the vegetables to make some salsa. Why are you guys laughing? I don't remember what it's called. We're chopping up the vegetables. We're going to eat that. They're... they're, they're, they're um, Got the oil in the little pan, and they're flipping. I have a picture of this, but I feel too, too wrong to show it. Uh, but, but, but this year, you know, Sylvia, who has been, we've been working with for a long time, she's a, she's a Honduran who we were blessed to get to build a house for, a Honduran lady, and she helps us in all the builds. And it was, we were building a house for someone just down the hill from her house. And Sylvia's like, you're going to make the meal in my house. And she was so excited to be sharing her home with us. And so Kendall and a few of the girls, and I think one of the guys went up to kind of work on that, you know. And they'd been gone for a little bit, so I woke up to see what's going on. And Sylvia is like, um, she's like my mom in Honduras. Like she treats me so well. She's way too kind to me. And, uh, and, it's, oh, and, and we, we talk back and forth. She's the sweetest lady. It's always, oh, Jamie. You know, just like my mom, oh, Jamie. You know, you just cut my finger, cut my thumb, uh, whatever. But we just have a, it was just a cool friendship. And, um, and so we go up to check on the ladies, and Sylvia's on the couch. And Kendall and, the, and, and, a, and a couple of the girls are making these, you know, these uh, corn tortilla shells, uh, um, what you do to them. And uh, they're over an open fire. There's a, like a little bit of a concrete stove. It's like your best, it's like your worst outdoor stove, okay, or outdoor pit. And I'm watching this, and I'm kind of stunned. I'm like, we're going to eat this in a little bit. And she's so proud of her home, and she's like, Jamie, hey, this is this, this is this, this. And I walk over, and I'm talking. And then Kendall's finished, and I start to walk in. And when you walk from her, like the one part of her house is one room, and there's some blankets that section off the bedroom. And there's a little step down in the kitchen. And so I walked in and hit my head so hard. I mean, I'm so, I mean, I'm tall, and they're not. I hit my head so hard, her whole house shook. And the cat ran out and went through the roof and down the hill. I was like, what in the world? I scared everything. Chickens flying, feathers. She laughed. Oh, Jamie, have a quesadilla. There are so many moments, so many stories about eating together. I know you have them. We need to have them. Our stories are broken for not having them. We're not whole for not having them. Deeper, the world is not healthy because we don't have the eating together stories. Eating together, eating makes your physical, you have to eat or your physical body isn't strong. You have to eat. And you have to eat spiritually, you have to be fed spiritually or your spiritual body or your spiritual health is not strong. And if you eat together, in a setting like this, you invite me to your home. I invite you to my home. We invite each other. We have fellowship meals right here. 
There's a physical and a spiritual aspect, and it makes us stronger. It's all through Scripture. Hospitality is followed by eating together. And in a time when everything, and I mean everything, says, do you. You be you. Isolate in your castle. Hide from the world. You got to get away. You better be preparing that bunker. You better have that closet. You better have the escape route, the escape room, or whatever else Jesus says. Stop running away from and run to. You weren't made to stay here forever anyway. And while you're hiding, who is knowing? While you're running, who is brave? While you're looking back and just hoarding while I am, while we are. Just another plate of food in my house with me or with us. I just want to get, get dinner by myself real fast and get back to work. Stop missing meals at work. Slow down. Eat with your coworkers. Do something with your coworkers. So they see the gospel of inclusion lived out. Eating is good for us. It's so awkward and awesome, so vulnerable and powerful. And I think it's just time to say we need to do it more, a lot more, every day more. So your assignment this week is invite me over for a meal. I like, I'm just kidding. Together, we hang out. Together, we grow. If you're, if you're struggling this morning with this, and man, we all could say, amen, I do. And you come forward. And one of our elders would come up and talk with you about it. They'd say the same thing. To be real with you, that's who they are. Or you can just wrestle with yourself right now and through the week and make a determination. I'm going to do this differently. The inclusion, man, there's so many people on the outside. When I read that article in the Washington Post, there were hundreds of responses. I read for about 20 minutes and only read two positive who does she think she is telling us what to do? I cannot believe she has an opinion about how people should eat. Who does she think she is? She probably has a wealthy, a rich house, and she probably can entertain anybody, but other people can't do that. And all it was was just evidence that we need to allow Jesus to be seen to so many broken people who think there's no joy in being together. There's no hope in eating a meal together. There's no inclusion of the gospel when we spend time together. It was lost, and you don't have to go very far to see it. So let's eat together and allow God to be seen in us. Whatever you desire, why don't you come as we stand and sing. I, Jesus, I Savior, Lord, there is none like you.
everyone. It's good to see you all here this morning. Um, <clears throat> it's really good to see you. If you didn't get a chance on your way in, uh, make sure you pick up a bulletin on your way out. I'll try to go over most of this here with you this morning. And then I've got several additions to add as well. So um, first on our, on our prayer request, um, if, you, if you notice there, uh, Clyde uh, Ball was taken to the hospital uh, early Friday morning. Uh, he's still there in room 3822 if you'd like to go down and visit with him. Uh, he's uh, being evaluated uh, for possible stroke and, uh, and some other things. So make sure and keep uh, both uh, Clyde and Penny in your prayers uh, this week and, and, and today. So. Um, Greg Farrell uh, is uh, still over in Rosemount, uh, and I can't remember the name of the place now. It used to be Rosemount Pavilion, but um, he's still over there. Uh, he had some tests done earlier this week, and I don't think that he's quite ready for uh, his next surgery yet, but continue to remember him. He uh, really enjoys getting cards and hearing from you all, and if you get a chance to get over that way, I know that uh, he would love to see you guys too. So. Um, Greg is over there and, uh, and would love a card or a visit, a visit from anyone here, I'm sure. Um, PJ Glauder uh, is uh, today checking into Riverside Hospital up in Columbus. He has been approved for a heart valve replacement. Uh, he's been waiting for some time for that, um, to, uh, to be able to do that with his condition. And, and, uh, and he's been approved for that and he I guess sometime early this week we'll have that procedure to have his heart valve replaced. So that's, uh, that's good news for PJ. Um, make sure and continue to remember him in your prayers as well. Uh, praise report. Um, the bulletin says that, uh, that Jared Kaiser is uh, still up at OSU, but he came home on Friday. 
So we are, uh, we're very, very happy about that. I know that there's been a lot of people uh, praying about that, and uh, um, I assume that he's doing well and, and, um, and getting home. I know that he was there for, I, I can't remember how many days now, 50 days or five weeks or something like that, a very, very long time, but he was really, really happy to, uh, to get to come home this week. But continue to remember Jared. I know that he's got a long uh, road to recovery. Um, and, uh, and that. And then, of course, uh, as Mike mentioned this morning, the Stiles family, be sure and um, continue to remember uh, the, the family of A.J. Stiles and all of his friends and classmates. Um, I know that he will be uh, very, very missed. I didn't know A.J., but I know that he's touched a lot of, uh, a lot of hearts and people around. So make sure and continue to remember the Stiles family. Um, and then also we got a prayer request from Therese Jones. Uh, you know, she's down in Alabama now. Her uh, nephew, Riker, was in a four-wheeler accident, I think yesterday morning um, down there. And he's currently in the hospital with a possible uh, lacerated spleen and a fractured shoulder. So Therese asked us to be praying for, uh, for Riker. He's been here several times with her, and uh, some of us, some of you would know um, Riker if you saw him. So um, Also, uh, Kelly Sparks had her procedure this week, and... Um, She's home, but very sore, so uh, make sure and continue to remember her in your, in your prayers this week. Uh, Gary Bailey, uh, who's a teacher and co-worker of Regina Coons over at Green School, and a lot of you know Gary because he was a teacher here at Memphis for many years, um, and he's also a, a football referee. Um, when, when, I, when I was talking to Regina this morning, it kind of all came back to me who he was, um, but he uh, had a heart attack this week and is currently in the hospital. I'm not sure where he's at, but uh, he's expected to have heart surgery um, this coming week sometime. So remember Gary and his family, for those of you, uh, and I know a lot of you know him, and uh, he's been around for a long time. So, And then also, uh, I know that Sharon Hallam has a procedure coming up soon, so continue to remember Sharon and, and all that she'll go through with that. So um, as far as prayer requests, I think... That's about it. Have I forgotten anything that anyone mentioned to me this morning? I don't, don't think so. Okay. Um, the uh, item for Midwestern Children's Home is deodorant this month, so make sure and bring that in and get that filled up. Um, there's a lot of things coming up. Jamie mentioned uh, a couple of them this morning. Um, tomorrow night is the, uh, the uh, roller skating party up at... Um, Spare time recreation in Ironton, that's from six to eight. Um, the admission and skates are all covered, so anyone who wants to come, uh, the admission and skates are all covered. They do have a snack bar there uh, if you wanna come and enjoy some food and fellowship with that. So um, that's tomorrow night from six to eight in Ironton. Um, we'd love to have you all there. Um, and then uh, next, not let's see, not next Sunday, but the Sunday after that, February 11th, Jamie mentioned a Super Bowl party. So after uh, evening worship next, uh, or on February the 11th, uh, the plan is to show the Super Bowl here at the church building. And then uh, Josh also said that there'll be uh, space provided to have some board games and uh, other things going on um, for those that aren't so much interested in the Super Bowl. But we'd love to have you guys uh, come and spend some time and fellowship with each other. And for those that like football, that'll be on. And for those that would rather just... Uh, just play board games or cards or something, that'll be provided as well. So 
He did say uh, make sure and bring appetizers or finger foods, and uh, it'll be a really good time. So that'll be February the 11th after evening worship. Um, the Men's Wild Game Dinner is this coming Friday. I'll be in contact with you guys that signed up. I think I read where there's uh, about 15 or so spots left a couple days ago. So if you're interested in doing that, uh, make sure and see me this morning, uh, and I'll get you the information you need. We'll probably plan on meeting here sometime around 4 or so on Friday, but I'll send that message out to, uh, to you guys that are signed up for that. Um, the teens are still doing the blessing bags. The box is still back there on the Welcome Center. Um, so see those lists. They're on red papers all around the church building, what you can bring in to add to those uh, blessing bags. Winter Jam for the youth group um, and college students is coming up. That's March the 24th. I know there's a sign-up list back there on the Welcome Center for that. And Winterfest uh, will be here before we know it as well. That's February 16th to the 18th. If you need information on that, you can see Jamie or Tim, and they'll get you the information you need on that. Um, Ryan Carell said, uh, if any of you are interested, any of the old folding chairs uh, that we have here at the building, um, they're in the process of replacing some of those, so there's still some of the older folding chairs that are good, um, but some of those will be re being replaced. So if you're interested in any of those, make sure and see him or Garris um, if you're interested in any of those. Um, let's see. I think that might be about it. If, you, if you'll stand with me, I've got something I want to read to you really quick um, that was kind of an uplift for me. Um, a couple weeks ago, but I'll read this and then we'll be dismissed in prayer. I hope you guys have a great day. Once again, it's really good to see you this morning. So, um, This is a post um, that I think Lisa reposted from another woman that posted it a couple weeks ago or a week ago or so whenever we were having snow and it kind of hit me pretty hard and, uh, and just reminded me of the love that God had for us. So, It says, when the snow started falling Sunday night, our yard was so beautiful, it was untouched, picture perfect. On Monday, the kids took off across the lawn on four-wheelers and sleds. That perfect and untouched snow was tossed up and ruts of mud were left behind. While everyone dumped their wet clothes in the laundry room, I looked out at, once, at the once beautiful yard and frowned. No longer a picture perfect view. And I thought about how the blood of Jesus washes us white as snow, but we muck it all up. Sin leaves what was flawless in a muddy mess, ruts, sludge, and dirty imprints. Another little layer of snow fell today, and it covered a lot of mess left behind on Monday, filled the boot tracks and the sled marks, blanketed the wet, soggy grass. And I thought again, that's what the blood of Jesus does. It forgives. It restores, it leaves no trace of the mess we make, it covers over and over again. Let's pray. God, you truly are a great God. Thank you so much for loving us. Dear Lord, thank you for, uh, for covering us over and over again. Dear Lord, this morning as we gather here, it's just great to be able to fellowship with you, to um, fellowship with one another, to gather around the table, dear Lord, to remember your son Jesus and his body and his blood, dear Lord. And as, I, as I'm here this morning, I'm reminded of the, the blessings that you give us on a daily basis, dear Lord. I pray today for those that we've mentioned, 
Dear Lord, I know that there's a lot more um, that, that are here this morning and that are represented here that uh, have things going on, that have uh, procedures that are going to happen soon, dear Lord, that have sickness and illness, that have praise reports, dear Lord. I pray that uh, you watch over them and bless them, not only the ones that were mentioned, but the ones that, that aren't mentioned, the ones that are worrying, dear Lord. I pray that you uh, put a comforting hand on those um, that are, t- are caring for, dear Lord, and watching out for those that are hurting in so many ways. Dear Lord, um, I'm so thankful for uh, the family that we have here, the fellowship that we get to spend together, dear Lord, and the love that you have for us. But most of all, I'm thankful for your son, Jesus, for his body, for his blood, for the gift of salvation and the chance of eternal salvation that you've given us through him. We love you and thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.